0: You know, I think what a lot of people will do is at the end of it, they'll look back and go, why didn't I bloody use that time better? Why did I spend all that time picking my nose and watching Netflix?
1: Hello, and welcome to The Low Season, a podcast about tour guides navigating a pandemic. I'm Wouter Bernard, and for today's episode, I spoke to Macy Hitchcock. A tour guide in Berlin since 2005. Apart from being a tour guide, Macy co-presents the Radio Spätkauf podcast and writes articles about German hip hop. Or good
0: German gangster rap.
1: We speak about being on a lockdown with your mom.
0: And we eat we eat meals together. Mum mom's basically cooking for me, which is bad, so nothing's changed. I do try.
1: And about the effects of COVID nineteen on the tourism industry.
0: I think I think basically the tourism industry is gonna have to change its Approach, um, and we're going to have to, as guides, become more aware of what happens when things go wrong because this this could happen again.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, macy hitchcock
0: Hey, you're not in Berlin. I'm not in Berlin, no, because I I went back to the UK in mid February, and then I ended up <laughs> ended up back at mum's. So I decided. I think it was in. I don't know what date are we now. We're beginning of okay April. So I was basically I came to Lewis, and I was coming going to London uh, for various reasons or quite frequently, and then I think the last time I was in London about was about um, the first week of March or the second week of March. I was in London, and it was getting more the the coronavirus was spreading more and the government was becoming stricter about um, social distancing and stuff like that. And then I just realised it wasn't very smart to fly back to Berlin. Uh, it was actually probably quite irresponsible to fly back to Berlin at that point. So around, I think that was around mid-March and I just decided to stay in Lewis, which is a little market town um, near the south coast of England. And uh, I've been stuck here ever since. <laughs> so I'm gonna... well, well, you you
1: say like you've you've been stuck there, um, but it's mm. also kind of a decision in some way. I mean, you'd rather you've you kind of decided that you'd rather be stuck there than stuck in your apartment in Berlin.
0: Yeah, I think I was. I'm not. I'm not that. I'm not a loner by nature, and I, I mean, my friends know that I don't do so well, despite the fact that I'm happily living alone. Uh, Having an apartment to myself, I prefer being around other people generally, and I just thought it might be wiser to be uh, in the company of my mum, who I haven't lived with since many a decade. Um, And it's been interesting, to say the least, living together, pushing each other to our limits. I think a little bit.
1: (laughs) What 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 is a yeah? What does that look like? Sort of living with your mum.
0: So my mum lives in a little um, two up two down terraced house. And I live in the front room, so I live on the sofa bed, and I have a little desk in the corner. And my mum lives upstairs, and she has an allotment as well, which she goes out to. And basically, we tend to, some days we avoid each other, some days we get up. I usually see her in the morning. Um, She usually likes to read me a a fact from her, or tries to read me a, a fact from her book on English history, uh, and I basically take no interest in anything she shows me, which infuriates her. Um, and we eat we eat meals together. Mum, mum's basically cooking for me, which is bad. So nothing's changed. I do try, um, but my alcohol intake has radically reduced because I feel hugely judged if I drink around my mum, which see. is <laughs> which is quite is quite trying because I feel like the need for alcohol has has increased. I don't know about you, but since the lockdown, anyway. I don't know. Uh, like,
1: I mean, we we have been sort of we haven't been drinking actually already way before this started oh, for yeah. a couple of months. So it's kind of I don't know. I feel less inclined to drink because we can't go to any bars or any social gatherings. So I I feel less pressure or less yeah I don't know feeling to to grab a beer or do a wine or whiskey or something than I did before actually.
0: Oh, that's good. That's something positive. I'd say it's probably good for all teetotalers. I imagine if the bars if the bars are the temptation and you remove that aspect then you're better off i guess you were you decided at least
1: once that you were staying in lewis um are you are you what is your consideration now how how long do you think you're going to be there
0: well it's a bit tricky because britain started the lockdown after uh, germany did or after berlin and we are a few weeks behind i think and i would dearly like to fly back to berlin I'd, I'd like to take the train, but Deutsche Bahn obviously isn't really an option at the moment. And um, I'd like to fly back to Berlin as soon as it's safe, as soon as the kind of um, lockdown has ended in Berlin, when things have relaxed a bit. When that will be, I don't know. But obviously, I, I have to come back at some point because my flat is just sitting there without anyone in it, gathering dust. And I God knows what's happening within the flat, all kinds of creatures, you know, emerging from the, the fridge.
1: Is this is this seriously what you're worried about?
0: I'm worried about the state of my flat. Yeah, I know it's weird, but I think I just have this. I have these visions. I kind of wake up suddenly in the night and think, Christ, what if my na you know, my fridge has exploded or <laughs> the neighbors? I flooded the neighbors with my broken fridge or something. Yeah, that's those are my concerns.
1: But what about what about your? Uh, I mean, you say you don't do isolation so well. So if 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 you'd come back and they still haven't. Release the restrictions. Uh, what what will your Berlin life look like?
0: I think it would be very challenging for me. I think I'd be probably skyping everyone 24 hours a day. So yeah, that is that is off putting. And as much as you know, it can be testing living with your mum. And not knocking my mum, by the way. Just just as an adult returning home, it's it's very challenging. And I'm sure it's very challenging for her. But um yeah, I would prefer to be in the company of someone I know and love than being on my own. So you know that will i don't know how long it's going to go what do you think i mean what in berlin how long do you think the lockdown is going to go on for this this kind of this level of kind of strictness
1: this level of strictness i Mm. well they're i mean at least until i i figure it's at least until the end of april but i i can't see how they're gonna release it until the beginning of june to be honest really yeah i think like because i i I've, yeah, I, like I don't know anything, right? But I'm I'm just thinking the disease is there. We don't have a vaccine for it. We can't really do anything against it, you know. So the only thing that we have against it is social distancing. And in order not to flood the the hospitals and the medical staff, we need to make sure that the levels of people getting sick are as low as possible. So I I don't think we have much choice.
0: What about testing? Is there not are there not plans to uh, have as many people tested as possible in order to send people back who potentially have already had corona back to work
1: yeah but like the amount like i, I think the amount of infection i have no idea what it is for germany maybe a hundred thousand now or something yeah yeah there's 82 million people living in this country yeah you know that is it's, you need to have a lot of people in have had the infection for people to be sent back to work you know
0: that's true and
1: um like i don't like i'm i'm just thinking i i've tried to do my news intake a little bit less yeah but i i just logically thinking i can't see really a way of them like i mean the the last thing i read was that the the senator or one of the the andreas geisel the inner senator in berlin He was considering, well, maybe we can release some of the restrictions, but maybe social distancing could be a thing that we need to do until the end of the year, you know, and that is, that's bleak. That's like, I don't know exactly what kind of social distancing, but if that means no more bars, no more hugs, no more hanging out, uh, that's a long time, you know?
0: Yeah, and it also means no jobs. I mean, it means so many jobs don't, cannot exist or cannot, you know, how, how, how many, I don't know what percentage of occupations require human interaction, but quite a lot. So, presumably, that means.
1: Well, how, how, do you, how have you been sort of dealing with that particular aspect? Because you're, you're, of course, you're a tour guide. Your income comes mainly from guiding people around, often also in, in buses, <laughs> which is a very closed uh, of environment. Um, yeah, how, how have you been sort of okay, – can you tell me a, l- a little bit about when you first found out about cancellations and stuff and how that has sort of led to a complete shutdown in tourism?
0: So a few weeks ago, we were informed, all the guides were informed um, that COVID was going to affect our, we'd have to brace ourselves probably for the worst. Um, And because they're an American company, they tend to, they, you know, they're obviously trying to soften the blow a little bit. And they've, they've really informed us really about actual solid cancellations as late as possible. But they did warn us some weeks ago, I think in early March um, it looks like it's going to potentially impact your work, so you know maybe you should look for something else. Um, but we're going to do our best to keep you in employment. And of course, you know I knew, and we all, all my other guide colleagues who work for the company knew um, when COVID started to intens- the spread started to intensify. We all knew what was on the cards, so it's not it's, it's not been a surprise. And then getting, you know, gradual this kind of drip drip emails coming through going we've canceled april we've canceled may and then you start to go
1: yeah that was that was bleak wasn't it these emails like one after the other every day sometimes two a day three a day yeah and you see like money evaporated like a hundred here 500 euros here a thousand euros there
0: yeah it's pretty galling and you can kind of you know when you think okay I can, you know, when it's a couple of months away and we're used to all this, all of us who work in the tourism industry and guides, that you, you have enough money to keep you going probably beyond your first, you know, few weeks of touring of the season. But then when you start thinking, okay, we're getting into the first month or the second month, where am I actually going to, what am I going to live on after those months have passed um, when nothing's coming in? So it does, yeah, you do start to really worry and it makes you realise, I mean, it made me realise that we are essentially, no matter how good the company is that we work for and, you know, the amount of kind of platitudes they throw at us about how we're all knit together, we're not. Um, we are basically gig economy workers. OK, I'm not I'm not comparing, you know, myself and my colleagues at the company we work for with people who are on really low wages working, you know, as bike couriers or for Amazon or whatever. But we are essentially we have no security, nothing. Um and when when our work falls through and it's it's out of the hands of the company, there's no compensation, there's no insurance, there's nothing. And it, it was very frightening because it's made me really reconsider whether I want to stay in this industry. Um, and as as with many other people, I thought, okay, there's got to be some form, form of on, online occupation. I've done it in the past. I used to work as a translator for sort of in-flight magazines and an editor of an English language magazine. But the pay is pretty shocking in those areas, but I just thought, okay, I'm going to have to pedal back and go back to those kind of jobs because at least they'll keep coming in. Maybe, I don't know, but it did make me realize how uh, tour guides, even if you you're even if you work for one company, even if you've got one of the best wages in the industry, you are, if something goes wrong, if there's a catastrophe, like I remember the company that I worked for was hit really bad by 9-11, of course, because no one was traveling or the Paris attacks. There was a big, drop in numbers but you're basically you're dispensable essentially you're not there's nothing they can do to help you and you are a gig economy worker
1: you you mentioned this sort of precarity that we have as as tour guides Um, where do you think that precarity comes from is it something that we have created as tour guides ourselves by not buying insurance, by not putting enough savings away? Or do you think it's something that is a problem of the industry at large, something that, yeah, sort of likes to keep us in this position? You know, where where, where does that problem of precarity lie?
0: I think it's a combination of both. I do think we should all be more, I mean, I think, a, you know, a, a guide who's been working for probably, you know, decades is probably going to a little bit more someone who's been in it for 30 years probably has more backup plans or has second careers going on as some of my colleagues have um, so that when things fall through they can fall back on those but I think um, it did make me realize that that I do think the industry needs to create some kind of they need to have some kind of insurance created for us or something that we all pay into some kind of fund or they part pay into it I mean you know they've got they've got us in you know, we we get well, we are well paid. Um, I'm not complaining about the company treats us really well. The company I work for is a fantastic company. But when you actually look at it, we have no health insurance. Um, We have nothing if things fall through, uh, if things are out the company's hands. So basically we're left on our own. And um, I think this has made me realise that I think these companies do need to have something in place because you can't expect people to be loyal to you and to keep working for you. You can pay them a lot, but what good is paying them a lot if they can only they can't cover their health insurance, uh, or they can barely cover their health insurance, or if things go wrong they can't survive, you know, a year and a or year without any wages. Do you know what I mean? So I think it does. It, I do think there should be more security or more uh, protection for employees. Um, but you know, I don't know whether it's it's probably partly the com, you know we're going along with it as guides uh because it suits us as well because we have the freedom of being able to work for other people um uh, we can work, don't have to work in winter a lot of us or we don't have to work much in winter we can take as many tours as we want or we don't want uh so we have a lot of freedom but that comes at a price um and i think i think i think basically the tourism industry is going to have to change its approach um, and we're going to have to as guides become more aware of what happens when things go wrong because this, this could happen again you know
1: yeah and, and not uh, maybe not so specific so specifically so hard or um like so all overpowering as as the COVID does uh, but in smaller ways you know uh, companies can go defunct or can go out of business or uh, there's all kinds of ways that our our jobs and our our, our lives our wages are quite precarious um but it's i don't know i have been talking quite a lot about this actually before all this happened and um it's interesting to see how it plays out now that literally everybody is unemployed like i mean everybody all the tour guides they're all employed like overnight it's like gone it's a completely mad situation
0: yeah it's interesting how everyone's out of work it's true everyone (laughs) Have,
1: have you been chatting
0: a bit to other people i have talked to some other guides and they're all staying they're all you know, I mean, guides are quite. I think guides are. It takes a special kind of person to be a guide. You've got to be quite thick skinned. You've got to be able to sort of take kind of knockbacks because, you know, you're the kind of person who has to be confident enough to go out and speak in a bunch of people who might be quite. Resistance to listening to you, so you've got to be quite tough. And also, you've got to be, you know, you're the kind of person who's going to go, okay, that job fell through. I've got to find something else. So, you know, usually quite resourceful. Uh, And I'm surprised at how chipper most of the guides I spoke to have been, and quite optimistic. And they're filling their time because guides love an audience and have to constantly have public a public in front of them. A lot of them are making videos for, you know, Facebook or. Doing projects, podcasts. Guides like to stay busy because they're bright. Um, on the whole, I think pretty bright people. So I find that the guides. I mean, I don't know what it's like in other industries because most of my friends, majority of my friends who have lots of free time now are guides. So I don't know what they'd be doing if they were all accountants. But I, I think there's a lot of creativity that seems to be emerging as a result. Um,
1: I totally, I totally agree. I, I see it, I see it all around me. I'm just wondering um, if the. First of all, of course, how long before we're all (laughs) working again? And if we're working, where are we going to be working? And uh, it seems also to be be going up and down. Like uh, I've been talking also a bit about the fact that I would have wanted to make the podcast three weeks ago when this all went down, but I just wasn't in the... The, the headspace to do it you know i was just dealing with my own like how am i going to get through this how am i going to get money or a job or what will my life look like you yeah. know all these kind of questions um had to be answered first and i feel like many many of us are going through this sort of up and down like yeah. some days you're feeling really really bad and you don't know and you don't have the energy to think about in completely different life yeah. and um some days you feel like, oh, this is a great moment. I can read. I can chat with my friends and family, and and do all kinds of things in the house. Um, so I do feel it's it's sort of up and down, and we need to get to that straight line again of sort of stability and normalisation. And I think we're not quite there yet.
0: No, but I don't think I don't know that's going to really happen under lockdown because this because of the uncertainty of it. I think we're going to it's going to just be like this as long as we're on lockdown. Um, I think you just have to say, okay, this is how it is. Um, and I'm just going to have to be uh, sanguine about it. I'm, I'm just going to have to accept that's that's the nature of the beast. Um, and I think, you know, I think what a lot of people will do is at the end of it they'll look back, and go, "Why didn't I bloody use that time better? Why did I spend all that time picking my nose and watching Netflix or freaking out about what was going to happen instead of reading that book?" And I think a lot of people I talk to are having trouble focusing on stuff because it's an enforced break. It's not a holiday. It's an enforced break from work um and sometimes they don't feel they can justify just sitting and reading because they think well i should be doing something i should be finding something else so i think it's kind of overcoming that and just going there's nothing i can do having to go it's out of my hands and i'm going to just make the best of the situation but i know it's easy to say that
1: Um, what you were describing just now as from like maybe we all need to accept that We still don't know exactly where this is going and what's happening exactly in the next couple of weeks and and months. Maybe we need to take that and think it's okay that we don't know, and we can't change that entire situation. Um, But that's difficult. I don't know exactly what you then should do. Like reading a book, I find it difficult to actually focus on some difficult reading. Like I I find it difficult. Sometimes I'm reading a page after page after page, and I'm thinking like, what did I, what did I just read? Like I find it difficult to read. I want to read, but I, I, I find it difficult.
0: Um, I think it's also the if you're, I don't know I mean, how your situation in terms of getting out and, you know, I know we're supposed to limit our time outside. Um, but I think that sometimes just, if you can, the thing that really is, I'm finding the hardest and I'm in a, you know, a little market town, very quiet market town in Sussex. And I've got this amazing countryside around so outside me and I can go for these amazing, you know, five, six mile walks in the countryside and I'm very lucky, but even I am starting to go, Ah, oh, I can't see that sheep again. I can't see that cow scratching itself on that post again. <laughs> and so basically, I think the thing to do is like, if you're only in your flat or you've only got a, like, a little green space to go to, is changing it up. Because I think as guides or or people who are used to being active or even as guides, any profession, you're used to leaving your house or being able to leave your house and get a change of scene. And I think it's it's shifting the scenery. So you just feel like you're not, You know, in these four walls, I think that's the thing that's I think that's not good for the human brain to be repetition and routine for many people can be like it's like death. So I think trying to just change what's around you a little bit, just alter it a bit. And then sometimes if you're outside the space you're in all the time, you can focus on things better. But I think it is hard if you're just sat there in your living room trying to read a really challenging book because there's nothing there's there's no there's nothing there's no break from it is there really we need breaks from things
1: when do you when do you like if you if you could come home, where where when would you when would you decide to go?
0: Oof, I'd probably go quite soon because while I love being at mums, I'd really I I kind of just need. Firstly, I'd love the change of getting back to Berlin. It's not winter anymore in Berlin, which makes Berlin much more appealing. But I would, yeah, I mean, I would come back soon. But you know, as long as we're going to be social dist- distancing ourselves. It's, it's not very appealing because bouncing around in my flat on my own doesn't really appeal to me
1: like I hope you I hope you can make it soon what are you are you what do you still have any plans for tonight anything happening
0: <laughs> tonight <laughs> Oh, yeah, watch well, from my usual routine. I'll probably be eating dinner with my mum. I'll probably be, I'm trying to write a, an article I should have written ages ago on German hip hop, which I'm struggling with, but it's nice to have something to focus on, or good German gangster rap. Um, and
1: Any, anything for our listeners in particular that they should listen to? Uh,
0: if you want to listen to some, get into some good gangster rap, German gangster rap, I recommend listening to a bit of Haftbefehl. He's got a new album out
1: Haftbefehl,
0: Haftbefehl, arrest warrant. Uh, he's great, he's from Offenbach. I uh, highly recommend some Haftbefehl, especially his album Russian Roulette, is particularly good. Uh, the production's amazing. So that's a good introduction to German gangster, Or it might put you off it for life, but that way, you know, you've, you've had the best of it. And if that doesn't appeal to you, then you're not going to like the rest of it.
1: So Awesome. Yeah. Well, Macy, uh, thank you so much for for chatting to me. Um, I hope it's okay if maybe in the next couple of weeks I'll get back to you and sort of yeah. maybe have an, uh, an update on on where things are and how you're doing. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, I hope things are well there in Sussex and Lewis and... Um, Go out for some walks.
0: Yeah, thanks. And and you'll get into that book.
1: (laughs) All right, Macy, goodbye.
0: All right, take care, bye.
1: That was Macy Hitchcock speaking from a quiet market town in Sussex. There was a brief moment I considered going back to Amsterdam to stay with my family, but when the immediate financial stress disappeared, the option of an extended Corona staycation didn't seem that appealing. I mean, I love my parents, I love to see them when I'm home, but I also think there is sound reasoning behind kids moving out of the house. Hi, mom and dad. One very solid point that Maisie makes is the precarious nature of our work as freelance tour guides. Um, I think many people's livelihoods will be affected by Corona. You don't necessarily have to be a freelancer to get a wage cut or lose your job. But the incredible speed with which our entire industry was left with, well, virtually nothing, has many of us pondering whether tour guiding in its current form is a sustainable way of earning a living. Maisie Hitchcock is co-host of A Dinosaur in Berlin Podcasting. Radio Spätkauf has been around forever and I've been a big fan of the show for years. With all the hosts being in different locations, they're trying to continue making their monthly show. I've put a link up in the show notes if you want some well-informed, funny, and overall good-humored updates about what's going on in Berlin right now. If you enjoyed this conversation, do let me know. I love hearing from you guys, and I'm always curious to find out whether the topics that we're discussing resonate with you, the audience. If you'd like to share your own story or you think somebody else needs to be on The Low Season, send me an email at thelowseasonpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. The Low Season is a daily beast with new episodes published every day, Monday to Friday. So if you don't want to miss a single conversation, make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Overcast or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast fix. Music is by Mark Schilders, artwork by Sergio Mabrias. Georgia Riungo is the Gris in the mule. Tomorrow we're back with Nick Jackson.
0: What did you what do you do? Uh, and I
1: just say well I've been on holiday for the last 20 years. Speak soon my friends.